think back with me for a few minutes uh, what it was like when, you know, you were young and uh, you're, you looked at your parents like your parents were like your heroes. You know, you really look up to them. And then you got a little bit older and you started to, you know, think of them uh, in terms of, well, they're kind of embarrassing at times. You know, you, you hit those teenage years and, and uh, parents are, you know, somewhat embarrassing and, you know, don't, mom, don't say that or, you know. And then you get a little bit older and you have kids of your own and, you, and then, you, you know, you're back to like mom and dad, you know, we really appreciate all the counsel and the wisdom that, that comes from you. And so, you know, and then, and, then, and then your parents get older and then they start to embarrass you again. You know, uh, it's like, it's like, it's what's going on right now in my life. And so I just wanted to uh, ask you for some help uh, because my kids have been embarrassed about me. And uh, one of the things that they're embarrassed about is our, is our answering machine at the house. And I thought, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. So I thought I would play it for you and uh, you could help me decide whether it's embarrassing or not. Okay. So, so here goes. Here goes. <laughs> I'm going to start that again. Darn, darn things. It's not responding to me. Let's try it again. You know, you work on these things in practice and, and you have no problems and then all of a sudden. Now, if you want us to babysit, press or say to now. If you want us to house sit while you're on vacation, press or say three now. If you want us to fix you a meal and bring it over to your house, press or say four now. However, if you're calling to invite us to dinner or to take us out to dinner, start talking because we're listening. Well, what's so wrong with that? Now, we, we kind of missed the first part of that, which I said, if you're one of my three children, you know, in your birth order, press one, two, or three. So, uh, yeah. These things are amazing. You know, I haven't yet, you know, I've had this like for about six weeks now, maybe seven weeks, and uh, I haven't even uh, succeeded in accomplishing, you know, like one-tenth of what this is like uh, or what this is capable of. I said to my wife this morning, I said, do you remember when phones were just phones, you know? And now, now forget about it, you know? Uh, the other day, uh, Andrew was texting, and I was watching him. His thumbs were going so fast. I it, it, you know, I got cramps in my thumbs just watching him, you know? Uh, amazing how you can do such texting. And, and uh, today I just wanted to share with you that there's an app for, you know, like, you know how, like, like kids, they have, like, uh, a lot of abbreviations when they text, you know, like, LOL, laugh out loud, right? Uh, TGIF, thank, thank God it's Friday, stuff, stuff like that. Well, well, they have an app now. Apple has an app for for senior citizens that helps them you know, uh, navigate through and uh, negotiate through, through texting. So I just wanted to share a few of them with you. Uh, th this is if you're a senior citizen. FWIP, uh, forget where I parked. Uh, this is a rather long one. It's, it's R-O-T-F-L-C-G-U. Uh, uh, Rolling on the floor laughing can't get up. 
I do. I, I like this one. C-O-C-O-N-R. Clap on, clap off, not responding. <laughs> LOL, live on Lipitor. You know, now, OMG usually is, oh my God, right? Is, is oi, my grandkids. GTG, uh, got to groan. Uh, G, uh, TGIF is, is no longer what it, it once was. It's thank God it's four. And everybody knows that four o'clock is when the early bird special starts. Okay. <laughs> Uh, FYI is uh, not for your information, it is for your indigestion. <laughs> TTYL, uh, talk to you louder. Uh, WIWYA, when I was your age. And I love this one, last one, GOML. D- do seniors really say, get off my lawn? I, I, guess, they, I guess they do. Well, anyway, I want to I talk to you this morning uh, about somebody who, who, who is the, the ancient of days, and yet he never gets old. In fact, he never changes. In fact, in fact he, he didn't discover the fountain of youth. He is the fountain of youth. I want to talk to you one of the 10,000 reasons this morning that we're going to look at why we should delight ourselves in God and be encouraged and strengthened in God is because he is immutable, the immutable God. It means he does not change. He is forever, forever the same. I want you to think about this, not even in the slightest way. So, so here's a statement I want to kind of float this morning for you, you to consider. When we know the truth about God, it fills us with wonder. When we know the truth about God, it fills us with amazement and with wonder. Therefore, we should expect that every genuine God encounter will transform us. It will have a profound effect upon us. It will, it will literally bring about power into our life, a real God encounter into our life. You know, God is, 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 is eternally the same. He's the changeless one. Uh, I alluded to that last week in the message about uh, Moses. When, when God speaks to Moses from the burning bush, when God commissions Moses to release the children of Israel out of Egyptian bondage, remember that? Uh, Moses, Moses said, but, but Lord, who, who shall I say has sent me? What is your name? And his response is, I am that I am has sent you. God is the only one who could say, I am that I am meaning the self-existent one is sending you. Think about that. God revealing himself, first of all, in a bush that is burning and yet it's not consumed. You know, all all fire needs needs elements in order for it to be created. You can snuff out a a candle just by, you know, I get these candles at home and they're in glass. And and if you just put the cover on it, you know, while it's lit, it's going to snuff it out because it it depends on the elements of oxygen. It needs a wick. It needs a fuel. But, but here, is, here is something that is absolutely uh, self-sufficient in itself because it is burning uh, and yet the bush is not consumed. It is not dependent upon the fuel. I want you to think about that. Here is the revelation of God. God is not dependent upon anything in creation. He, in fact, sustains all of creation. In uh, the Chronicles of Narnia, there's a, a, a little section I just wanted to make reference to. Uh, Lucy uh, goes to uh, the land of Narnia uh, a year later. Uh, it's, she's revisiting the, 
land of Narnia. And the, the lion, Aslan, is the representation of the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, because everything has changed, the years gone by, everything has changed, and, and they get lost as a result of, uh, of, of these changes. And, and, and they come across some you know, rather dreadful ex- events or experiences that takes place. But then finally, Lucy sees in the forest clearing, she sees Aslan, Aslan standing there. And she runs over to him, and she, she jumps on his neck, and she throws her arms around his neck, and she buries her face in his mane, and, and uh, uh, he, he just kind of falls over, and she falls in between his great big paws. And uh, he, says to her, he says to her, welcome, child. And then he, he touches her nose with his tongue, and his warm breath just completely envelops her. And she looks up into his face and, and she says, Aslan, you're bigger. And, and Aslan's response is this. He says, no, that's because you're a little bit older. She says, not because you, you are bigger? And he says, I'm not. But each year as you grow, you find me bigger. Each year... As we grow in Christ, as we grow in the grace and in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, he becomes more glorious in our presence. He becomes more glorious to our sight. As we see him and the glory unfolds to our understanding, he is more and more glorious. God is ever the same. He is the changeless one, the immutable one. I love, to, I love to meditate uh, about the existence of God. I, I, I like to let my mind carry me as far as I can. And then when I begin to smell, you know, the smoke, I know my, my brain is beginning to short out and I've gone as far as I can. And I feel a lot like Lucy, a child who is asking simple questions of God that, that, that are so simple but yet so profound at the same time. Like, for instance, you know, I, I, when, when you think about eternity and you think about creation and you think about God and you think about what was on the backside of of creation before there was time you know you, you, you can't help but ask the question but God where did you come from I mean I understand where all this came from but but God where did you how did you come into being and 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 God never there was never a time when God came into being God always was and there, there will never be a time when God will not be. He is the eternal, the everlasting one. Father, Son, and Spirit in the perfect community, loving one another, preferring one another, uh, serving one another, glorifying one another, without any need or necessity of the compulsion to create other than his, it was simply out of his own free will and his own pleasure that he began to create. And, and that means, that translates to us as being that we are his pleasure. He created us. Or as John Piper says, that God is most glorified when we are most satisfied with him. Amazing. Malachi 3, 6 says, I am the Lord, I change not. I am the Lord, and I do not change. The scripture repeatedly and unapologetically declares and, and just states that, that the eternal God is from everlasting to everlasting. 
James says he's the father of lights in whom there's no variableness, neither is there any shadow of turning. There's not the slightest hint of change in him. No casting of a shadow. He never, he never evolves. He, he, he never gets better because he's already perfect. He never decreases because he is perfect. He is the one consistent or constant in this changing universe, symbolized by the rock of ages. Rock of ages, someone wrote, cleft for me, let me hide myself in thee. Let the water and the blood, let the wounded side which flowed be of sin and double cure, save from wrath and make me pure. When you, when you have come to know him, the rock of ages, you have a foundation upon which to stand. That when the storms come, when the rain comes, because it will come, it will come to both, to all, you're able to stand. You know, God is altogether uninfluenced by, by, by time. Time has, has no effect upon God whatsoever. His power is unabated. His wisdom is, is undiminished. His holiness is unsullied. He is flawless, and he will always be flawless. And I want you to think about what that means that in terms of the incarnation, in terms of the Son of God invading time and space and becoming a human being joining himself to our human nature, having a human body while never, ever ceasing to be God because God could never cease to be God, but he became something in time. He became one of us so that he might rescue us while never ceasing to be God. Think about what he gave up, the prerogatives, the privileges of, of how, how Paul says that he laid aside his, 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 his dignity, his privileges, his rights, you know, I want you to imagine for a minute, you know, and, and, and there's really nothing in our experience that can make a comparison. So all of, our, all of our metaphors and comparisons all fall short, but we try anyway, right? We try anyway. So, so just imagine for a minute, if you're the only person in all of history, all of 7 billion people on planet Earth today, you have this unusual gift, right? And, and, and today, if, if you are a fan of X-Men, it probably is not that much of a stretch for you to believe this. But imagine you're the only human being in all of history who can fly. You know, I dream about flying. I don't know about you, but I, I, think, I think, you know, flying, you know, somebody asked me a question, will we fly when, when, when we're changed? You know, I don't know, you know, but I sure hope so, you know, because I dream about flying. But, but imagine, imagine you, you are your own form of transportation, you know, no longer, you know, Sitting in traffic, no longer dealing with price, prices of gas or, or car repairs, you know. Uh, you go wherever you want to go, whenever you want to go, you know. And now imagine for a minute, right? I mean, that, isn't that sweet, isn't that? I mean, isn't that, isn't that, wouldn't that be sweet if, if that were so? But imagine you're the only person in all of history who can fly, but you're being asked to lay that aside, to give that up for the sake of obedience to your heavenly Father and for the sake of love for those for those who right now don't don't love you, respect you or 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 they even in fact they even hate you wouldn't that be hard to give up? think about that would would that not be really difficult to give up? and the answer is sure it would 
So imagine what Jesus, the, the eternal Son of God, the immutable, unchanging Son of God did in by, by becoming one of us. The immortal became mortal. The immutable became mutable for the purpose of rescuing us. Think about time. And I heard uh, Tim Keller give this illustration about about time. And again, illustrations are, are just kind of that, trying to help us to, to, to get a handle on some of these truths. But, but uh, he, he described time as, as this. Imagine time being a river, you know. Uh, have you heard that, that song, Old Man River? You know, probably he's talking about time. But, 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 but time is, is like a river, and it's, and it's always moving. There was a philosopher who once said that you could never step into a stream twice. The same stream twice. You could never, because it's constantly in flux and, and, and there's constantly change, you know? Now, now imagine this, this river, right, is, is coursing through a mountain range and, it's, and it has twists and turns and, and bends and, and it's going through this mountain range and it's time. And, and uh, there are boats on this river. Uh, there are some boats that are upstream, there are some boats that are midstream and there are some boats that are downstream. And they represent past, present, and future. And none of the boats can, can really see one another because of the twists and turns in this river. But above it all, above it all is someone who stands outside of time and space, who is God, who looks down on the river of time and who sees it all from the end to the beginning. You see, before God and to God, there is no such thing as the past or even the future. Everything to God is present. For God dwells in eternity. I want you to think about that with me for a minute. The sovereign Lord, supreme. See, the knowledge of this truth will strengthen your faith. The knowledge of this is practical. It's not just, it's not just to awe us or to, or to wow us but it's to strengthen our faith. And one of the practical ways, one of the reasons why, why there, there is another reason for us to delight ourselves in the Lord, ju- ju- just because he is immutable, it has a bearing upon his love. Listen to what he says in Jeremiah 31, 1, 31 3. He says, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Now, my understanding of everlasting means that it's from everlasting to everlasting. That is that, it has no beginning and it has no ending. And what that means is that there was never a time that God did not love you and I and there will never be a time that God does not love you and I in Christ. Jesus, the incarnation of the fullness of, of, of Godhead being revealed, revealing the heart of his Father is is love personified. I want you to think about that for a minute. This really, the, the understanding that he has loved me, that he has always loved me, that he will always love me, really is the cure for many of the problems that we have, many of the problems that we face, the, the storms of life, the difficulties that we go through, the times of, of feeling discouragement or feeling depression or, or the times when we feel like we're, we're being overwhelmed by life. Because life is, is, is at times honestly overwhelming. But the knowledge of this and, and getting a handle on this 
to have a, an encounter with this kind of God who loves me eternally will be able to set me on a solid foundation. There's an old uh, Twilight episode. I'm not talking about Twilight, the vampire Twilight. Twi- the Twilight Zone. Remember Rod Sterling, you know? Uh, you probably you know, have seen some reruns, you know? And, and, and pro- I, I think they usually run Twilight Zone on uh, New, Year's, New Year's Day, right? Uh, marathon, right? Or Fourth of July, whatever. Uh, but I, I remember this one episode, right? Uh, it's, it go- kind of goes like this. It, it, it's kind of like th- these guys crash land, you know? And uh, the kind of astronaut types, and they kind of crash land. And, uh, you know, with, with, with the Twilight Zone, you never know, uh, because it always keeps you in suspense, is this the Earth, you know, that they crash landed on, or someplace like the Earth? And so you never really know until the end, well, maybe it's dee 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 the Twilight Zone, you know? Uh, and so, and so, so the, the, headlines, the headlines of the paper read, three survive crash. And one of the guys is taken to the hospital to kind of, you know, get better and, and recover. And the other two guys, where would they be? Of course, they go to a bar. And, and they're sitting at the, at the bar and they're having a drink. And one of the guys, you know, the, the paper's right there, three survived crash. And one of the guys says, hey, you know, it's my mother's birthday today. I'm, I'm going to give her a call. So he goes over to, and I know that you probably, some of you have never seen this, but it's called the telephone booth. They actually had these little boots where you, you went in, you sat down, a little light went on, the fan went on, and, you know, you could close these glass doors and you could talk in private, you know? And uh, it was called the telephone booth, really, honestly, I remember that. And, uh, you know, so, so he comes back and he says, he says this is, there's this weird thing and I'm not really feeling too good, but he said, I just, I just spoke to my mother and she said, she doesn't have a son. She never had a son. And I, I'm just really feeling like I don't belong. And so he goes into the restroom. And when he goes into the restroom, he never comes out. He's gone. He vanishes. And his, and his friend who's waiting for him at the bar says, hey, what happened to my buddy? He just went into the restroom. Did anybody see where he went? And they said, what are you talking about? You came in here all by yourself. do 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 you know? And he looks at the paper and it says, to survive a crash. And he goes over to the hospital to, to, to check with his, with his other buddy. And he, he wants to find out what, what in the world is going on. And so he tells him, you know, what, what's happening. And he kind of fills him in. And, and all of a sudden, he starts to feel kind of weird. And he goes over and he looks in the mirror and he can't see his own reflection. And he starts to bug out and he runs out into the hall and he disappears, vanishes. The, the paper now reads, one survives crash. And, and, and the guy who is now reading the paper, he starts to feel a little weird and, 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 and he runs out into the hall and, and he vanishes. And a nurse comes in and into the room as, as though no one was ever there and, and there's absolutely forgotten. And you know how you, you look at an episode like that and you say, man, that stinks. But you know what you got to say? And kind of realize, That's life. Because I, I, I know lots of people that I used to know that disappeared. They're not here anymore. 1982, my mother disappeared. 1975, my father disappeared. And, and there's people that are disappearing that we loved all the time. We will disappear. You know? Uh, and who's going to remember us? 
You think about it. You know, I, I know a little bit about my grandfather, uh, but I don't know anything about his father. It's just a couple of generations. I, who, who's going to know you in, 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 in 100, 200 years from now? We just kind of vanish, you know? And the reason why I bring that story up is because that's what the psalmist is going through in the psalm that we're going to look at for the remaining minutes of our time this morning. So I'm going to look at Psalm 102, which is a psalm that, that really, the first 11 verses, and I'm not going to read the whole thing. I'm just going to read a few of the verses for us this morning. But, but it really is, is kind of somebody who's, who's really distressed and feeling hopeless. He's, he's feeling like his life is vanishing away from him. Maybe you're feeling like that this morning. He says in verse 1, Hear my prayer, O Lord. Let my cry for help come to you. Do not hide your face from me when I'm in distress. Turn your ear to me when I call. Answer me quickly for my days. Here it is. My days vanish like smoke. My bones burn like glowing embers. My heart is blighted and withered like grass. I forgot to eat my food because... My loud groaning, I, I, I've re, I'm reduced to skin and bones. You know, whatever it is that this guy is going through, and it's not completely clear all that he's going through, but, but we know that he's not having a good day. We, we, we know that really life is, is difficult for him right now. In fact, the title of Psalm 102 is this, A Prayer of Affliction When when a man is faint and he pours out his complaint before the Lord, he, he's ready, to, he's ready to, to, to pass out because his affliction is so severe. And verse 7 says, I lie awake, I become like a bird alone on a roof. He says, I can't sleep and I, I feel so isolated and I feel so absolutely alone. All day long, my enemies taunt me. Those who rail against me use my name as a curse for I eat ashes and my food and mingle my drink with tears. Do, do, do you ever just, you know, for no apparent reason, just feel like just beginning to weep because the stress and the distress is so oppressive and pressing upon you? Verse 12 says, but, but you, something happens. Something, something happens to turn the the tide on, on the, the psalmist and his perspective. He doesn't end this way. He starts out this way. He pours out his complaint to God and he calls upon God, but something happens. And, and the, the happening is simply this, that, that, that he gets a little bit of theology, which is the understanding of God's immutability. He remembers that God does not change. And in verse 12, he says, But you, O Lord, sit enthroned forever. Your renown endures through all generations. You will arise and have compassion on Zion, the church, for it is time to show her favor. His love never changes. Weeping may last for the night, but, but joy comes in the morning. You know, God has a purpose for every single thing that we go through. There's a divine design, whether or not you can, can see it, feel it, experience it, but that, that's where faith comes in. That's where trust comes in, that God has ordered the footsteps of his children, of the righteous. Um, a, uh, 
woodcutter, a, a logger, goes into a forest and, and every single tree in that forest has been designated to be, to be cut down. And he goes over and he's beginning to set up his equipment and he sees a robin in a tree. And the robin is building a nest. And so not wanting to destroy the robin or the eggs that might be in that nest, he starts pounding on the tree. And the robin looks down at him and says, what's this guy doing? What is he upsetting me for? Doesn't he know I'm building a nest here? And, and, and so the robin moves over to another tree and, and starts to build a nest in another tree. And, 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 and the logger notices that. And so he goes over to, to that tree and he starts pounding on that tree until she moves again. And then she moves again a third time until she finally gets it. And she finally now... She goes a little bit higher and she begins to build her nest in the clefts of a rock where she's safe. Maybe what's happening to you right now is that God is, is banging on the tree. See, every single tree in this forest is designated to come down. It's all going to come down. There's, there is no foundation here on this planet. God is our foundation. Abraham was looking for a foundation whose builder and maker was God. That's the only thing that's going to enable us to survive all that is, that is going to come because every tree is going to come down. Look at what he begins to get a handle on. Verse 25, he says, In the beginning you laid the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the work of your hands. He acknowledges God as the creator. He says they will perish. That is, the creation is going to be dissolved. It's going to be destroyed. But you remain. They will all wear out like a garment, like clothing. You're going to change them, and they will be discarded. God is going to roll up this universe like an old blanket someday. The stars are going to fail to shine. The, the universe is going to change. It's, it's, be, it's wearing down. It's, it's wearing out. Creation is, is wearing thin. What's he talking about? Verse 27 says, but you remain the same, the immutability of God, and your years will never end. And then he says this, and, and this, is, this is really the, the heart of this message this morning. For he says, and the children of your servants will live in your presence and your descendants will be established before you forever. The word there for presence is face, but your servants will live before your face and your descendants will be established. The word established will be, will be permanence. There will be a permanence for the children of God, though this world is going to pass away, though the sun and moon and stars are no longer going to, to function and, and, and shine and God's going to make a new heaven and a new earth. Do, do you realize what that's saying? It's saying is that God is, is more permanently committed to you and to me, to his children who believe in Jesus Christ through faith than he is to the universe than he is to the stars. He's more committed to me than he is to the sun, which has been burning for who knows how many millions of whatever years. Think about the implications of that. Jim Morrison, the leader of the Doors, back in my day, sang a song, 
And he said in one of the lyrics, I'm going to love you till the stars fall from the sky. Just you and I. And then he died when he was 27 years old. He didn't fulfill that. In fact, that, that, that kind of is the sentiment of a lot of love songs. There was a, a love song, Baby, I'm Yours. And I'll be yours till all the rivers run dry. Until the mountains crumble into the sea. In other words, I'm yours. You remember that song? It, it's the sentiment. Of, it, it is the love song that can't be sung by human beings. Because there's no way that they're going to outlive. And what God is saying to us in, in, in this morning is, is simply this. I'm going to love you till the end of time. No, I'm going to love you beyond time. When, when time no longer is, I'm going to love you. In fact, I want you to know this morning that God is the only one who could really sing that song. And did you know that God does sing? Zephaniah 3, 17 says, the Lord your God in your midst, he is mighty to save. He will delight over you. He will quiet you in his love. He will rejoice over you with singing. God rejoices over his children with singing. The ultimate love song sung by the unchanging, immutable God and Savior. That's the ultimate love song. I'm going to love you till the stars fall from the sky. You and I. That's God's heart for us this morning. His immutability is one of the reasons, one of the 10,000 reasons that our heart delights in him and sings his praises. But how? I was reading some statistics, and I'm going to close in just a minute, but I was reading some statistics. There was a survey done of 35,000 Americans from the Pew Forum about religious life. Do you know that 83% of Protestants, mainline Protestants, said that any, any religion will, will, will lead you to eternal life? Christianity, we don't have the, uh, you know, we don't have it sold up on that. Muslims said 56% believe that all religions lead to eternal life. Jews, 82%. Roman Catholics, 79%. I'm sorry. That's not the way it is. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He didn't say, I am a way, a true, a life. He said, no man comes to the Father except by me. In this age of political correctness, we're not going to water down the gospel. There is only one way to eternal life. The foundation of that, the foundation of that has to be a rock. And he is the rock of ages. It was a true story. It's kind of a tearjerker, but it's, it's, it's true. There were two boys who were, who were playing, two brothers who, who were playing down by the great river. And the, the river banks there, there were sand barges and, 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 and they were going in a very restricted area, a very dangerous area, and they were playing on this kind of sand mountain. And, and the reason why it was so dangerous was because literally it was just like quicksand. The boys began to sink within this quicksand, and it was way above their heads. That night, the boys didn't come home. The parents began to panic, called the police, the police, the neighbors, the whole community was out looking for the boys. They finally found, they finally found the younger of the two boys with just, just his face and head just sticking out of the sand. He was unconscious. When they woke him up, they very 
carefully dug him out. Where, where is your brother? They wanted, where is your brother? They wanted to know. He had been standing on his brother's shoulders. The reason why he survived was because of the sacrifice and love of his older brother for his younger brother. The only foundation that we have to lay claim to the eternal God, that we will live eternally with him before his face with absolute permanence, is the foundation of Jesus Christ. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. This morning, if you're here today and you've never made Jesus Christ the rock, the foundation of your life, I want to invite you to do that. You do that by faith. You do that by, the Bible says, as many as received him to them, he gave the power to become the children of God, even to those that believe on his name. You believe upon the name. You call upon his name. You trust him. You trust him to be the savior that he is. And he is able to save to the uttermost those that come unto God through him. Let's pray. Father, we ask this morning that even now that you speak, O oh God, Lord, to our hearts. I pray, Father God, Lord, for anyone that might be here this morning that needs to make a commitment to you, Christ, that they will indeed, Father God, discover that Jesus is a Savior this morning. And for us who are saved, and are on our way to heaven. And there's, there's, there's times in our own experience where we are oppressed and when we're vexed and when we're, and we're distressed. Maybe, God, what you're doing right now is getting us to build our lives on something that is absolutely secure, which is the rock, Christ Jesus. For all other ground is sinking sand. I thank you that Jesus Christ, that you are the same yesterday, today, and forever, and that while you, for a time, you, you, you became mortal so that you can now eat up and destroy death and sin so that we might have eternal life, we just want to give you the expression of our heart's gratitude this morning as we all just worship you in the closing minutes of this service.